Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 98. It's now been 49 weeks, six days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today's episode will be a long one, partly because I haven't recorded for quite a while for me. And one reason for that is I've been suffering another bout of depression. Depression saps your will and energy and makes it difficult to make your bed, let alone write, produce, and edit a podcast episode. No mistake, much as I love this show, it takes quite a bit of work for me to make it. However, one of the best things to do when you are stuck in depression is to gently exercise, and if the weather allows, going outside is really great. So here I am taking my medicine by hiking up the mountain and talking to you from my next to upper zen place on a really sunny day. Another great thing is to fill your life with what you love and brings you joy. Since I love the show and hearing from all of you, here we go with day 98, depression or no. After I decide what to let go of today, I'll let you know where I'll be social media wise as I'm scaling back. Then we'll welcome three out of four new BCs. First, Lisa, a BC who first posted on day 96 and who I inadvertently forgot to welcome on day 97. Then Happy, a BC I met on Instagram. And finally, Natalie, who comments on day 20 about her move to Australia. Then Suze goes on the bravery report for her unique way of communicating with me about our last episode. She recorded her thoughts as she listened. And though she sent me her commentary for me privately, she bravely gave permission for me to share some of it with you. After Suze's comments, I'll take you into my world of voice acting study. Usually I play you the choicest takes with the best comments for moi, in other words, the good ones and the positive things. But today I'll play you snippets of my work both with my private voice acting coach, David Babich, and the same piece done in the sound booth at my regular class with Mark Cashman. Oh boy, that was not fun. <laughs> but hard as it was, you will see that it isn't all negative, and I'm proud of myself for following through with going to class instead of calling in sick with secret depression. I told you this would be a long episode today. After our adventures in voice acting, I'll finish up day 98 by reading you one of my watershed blog posts called, fittingly enough, Warning, catharsis ahead, not for the faint-hearted, strong language, and by the way, I don't have a blast of weight problem after which I'll feature some of the supportive comments I received, including one from our fourth new BC, June. So stay tuned while we listen to Josh, and boy, do I have a lot of stuff to let go of today. But I'm letting go, I'm letting go. It's a history that never really grows. I'm letting go. silent wind that never really blows I'm letting go I don't know about you but I really do like listening to Josh and his letting go snippet because a lot of things in my life now I know it's great to positively pursue something. You know, most of your goals should be in the positive, not the negative. But a lot of the challenges that get in the way of me pursuing goals are things I need to remove, things I need to let go. And that's why I like to listen to Josh every time I do an episode. It really is therapeutic for me to do that. And today, what I really need to let go of is being mad at myself all the time and particularly right now I need to be more gentle with myself and not mad that I suffer from depression. Now before I go further and talk about my own depression and how it impacts me and what I've learned about it for all the years I do want to read this little snippet here. Okay I just want to give you a basic list of depression symptoms that I found on helpguide.org and I'm not going to read everything they say about it but I'm going to make the link to helpguide.org and its take on depression as the resource of the day for day 98. But there is something to remember, and I know this is from my own experience, is that depression is not like just being sad. One of the differences is 
depression is to sadness like overeating at Thanksgiving is to having a binge problem, okay? Overeating at Thanksgiving is situational and you don't repeat it, okay? Feeling sad because something happened or you're disappointed, that's different, you get over it. But depression can happen even when you're not sad for any foreseeable reason and it can last for a really long time and it gets in the way of your life. And that is a big, big clue. It gets in the way of your life. When your feelings of sadness and fatigue and being blah persist and make it so you don't wanna do stuff you normally wanna do, it's time to go get some help. Now my health team knows all about my long ongoing depression and I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that. But first of all, I did wanna just give you the list of some of the signs of depression, okay? These can happen. You don't have to have all of them, but the more of them that you have, the more you might wanna check in with yourself and with your doctor to see if you might be having depression, okay? Feelings of helplessness and hopelessness loss of interest in your regular activities, appetite or weight changes, and it's interesting, that can go up or down. If you have a sudden weight loss or weight gain and you don't really know why that happened, then that's a symptom. Sleep changes, either insomnia like I have where you wake up early in the, in the morning or also when you just sleep all the time. When sleep is more attractive than getting up and you get what's known as hypersomnia, anger or irritability, loss of energy and feeling fatigued, self-loathing, strong feelings of being worthless, reckless behavior, you know, like the adrenaline junkie thing, like gambling or, you know, driving fast, doing things that get your adrenaline up. That's very escapist and, you know, it, it's kind of perk you up. Concentration problems, trouble focusing or making decisions. Also, this one a lot of people don't know. When you're suffering from depression, you can have unexplained physical aches and pains, and you can get like more headaches and more joint pain, stuff like that. So depression is not fun, and it's an actual medical condition. It's not <laughs> all in your mind, like from a psychological thing, like, oh, here, snap out of it, you. Get over your damn depression. Get on with life. It's not that. It's medical, just like diabetes is medical, okay? <laughs> You don't go yell at someone, hey, you, get over your damn diabetes, you know, snap out of it. No, you talk about what diet changes you make or how you have to adjust your insulin, things like this. And that's the same with depression. Sometimes you need to see your doctor or a psychiatrist and get some medication to help balance out your brain chemistry because it is chemistry. It isn't you. It's not that you're worthless. It's your genetics. <laughs> You have a brain chemistry that goes out of whack or goes on tilt sometimes, you know. But sometimes you can also mitigate some depression symptoms with moderate exercise and some other ways to take care of yourself. And talk therapy can also help because when you get all down on yourself and in the midst of depression, even if you tend to that negative self in regular life, you can really go all in when you're depressed. I mean, things that are gray become pitch black. Things that are sad become devastatingly bad. Like, you know, nothing will ever get better. And for me, one of the worst symptoms is that feeling of absolute fatigue. I definitely like feel like I'm walking through the quicksand or my feet are stuck in mud. And interestingly enough, I often will lose weight when I'm going through depression. I'm not happy about that. It's not a good way to lose weight. It's kind of scary, in fact. But this is what will happen. I'll be on the couch, as usual. There I am on the couch, my favorite depression place, wrapped in the comfy quilt, often with my little tiger there. <laughs> and there I am maybe even too tired to turn on the TV. Now, if I can't even watch junk TV like Survivor, you know that something's wrong because it just seems like too much effort to take the remote and turn it on. And I'll think to myself, man, I'm hungry. I should get up and make a sandwich. But then I'd have to like push the cat off me and unwrap this blanket and go to the kitchen. And I think that's just too much. That would be too hard for me to go make a sandwich. So I, I think I'll just forget about it and I'll go back to sleep. 
or Mark might even come by and say, here, I made you some dinner, and he'll put it there in front of me, and I'll think, oh, that dinner looks pretty good, but then I'd have to, like, sit up and and cut that meat or, you know, use my knife and fork. And I know this sounds extreme, but when I'm in the depth of depression, that is how much lack of energy that I have. Now, I said at the opening that one of the good things to do is to go exercise, like go for a walk or go for a hike, right? Well, if I can't even go make a darn sandwich, how much do you think I want to go put on my hiking boots and come up the mountain? No, that takes an awful lot of energy, and it's really tough to do that when I'm in the first throes of depression. And really for me, the big, big clue is where I have no energy, and it's not like, oh, I didn't sleep that well, so I'm kind of tired. It's like everything is slow motion, and I'm just heavy. My legs feel like lead pipes. I can't move. Lifting my arms is hard. I take a look at the dishes piled up on the counter and I think, oh, maybe I should wash those dishes. Eh, They can just sit there. And normally that's not what I would do. I'm not the tidiest housekeeper in the world, but I normally am not going to let dirty dishes sit on my counter. That is not my normal thing. And then I get really pissed at myself. So that's really smart, right? Here I am, I got no energy, I really need to conserve it. And what do I do is I spend energy being all mad and telling myself stuff like, Lori, you horrible blankety blank blank, you're such a slob and a horrible lazy ass housekeeper. And why aren't you just getting off of this couch? And why aren't you doing this? And Why don't you do that? So you can hear, here's this critical side of myself, getting down on myself. Well, all that makes me want to do is cover my head with the blanket to drown out this feeling of criticism. Now, if I wasn't so depressed and I heard that horrible feeling of criticism for some reason, what would I do? I might want to head for the chips because then I could take out that criticism by crunching, crunch, 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 crunch. I can't hear you, crunch, 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 crunch. I can't hear you, crunch, crunch, crunch. And whatever reason I was criticizing myself for would then be turned into I'm mad at myself for eating chips, not for whatever thing happened. Like, oh, I was mean to my friend or I forgot someone's birthday who was important or I didn't do well in the voice acting class. Whatever the real thing is, it's kind of painful. Well, I could drown out the criticism, one, with eating, and two, I could then convert that feeling of being mad into something safe and warm and fuzzy, like being mad for my overeating problem. That's why, for me, the whole binging and eating thing is one way that I deal with my depressive tendencies, because also when you eat sugar and carbs and other foods, you also impact that serotonin, the pleasure receptors in your brain, and so it gives you a little bit of jolt, just like the gambling bug might or driving fast. It's the way that you might want to pick yourself up. And I think with the hormonal shifts for women, you know, around our monthly cycles and through menopause, we have some of that too. You know, when we are hormonally kind of screwy, we like to eat some chocolate because it perks us up chemically. It just does. But let's say that you don't feel well after you've eaten gobs of potato chip and milk duds, (laughs) which it might seem like the thing to do at the time, but afterwards your tummy's like, oh man, I really wish I hadn't eaten a box of milk duds and a whole bag of chips. This is like, uh, I don't feel good. But you did it to try to make yourself feel better, and then you don't. That's just the physical chemical attraction part. So you forget about the emotional part, right? So what I realized as I'm going through this depression of the moment is that I get mad at myself a lot. I get mad at myself for even things that other people do. Like, Lori, what did you do that the people aren't commenting, right? You heard me whining about that before if you guys are too busy or don't comment for whatever reason, right? What's wrong with me, Lori, that they're not commenting? Well, let's turn it around. You might have put a comment for me on Facebook or you might have had some pictures on Instagram lately 
and I haven't been there to comment or like or say something to you. And so you might say, wow, what have I done? Have I offended Lori that she's not here commenting back to me or, you know, liking my pictures on Instagram? What's wrong? What have I done? Well, you haven't done a darn thing. I have depression. I'm too tired to do anything. I'm too tired to look at the computer half the time, <laughs> okay? It's me. It's me. It's me. I have depression. It's not you. So the good news about that, though, is it really brought home for me that lesson of I should not assume I screwed up if you guys aren't commenting to me or you guys aren't doing whatever or if Mark isn't doing whatever or if anything's not happening. I should not assume that it's me and I should surely not be mad at myself for things that aren't in my control. So I'm working hard to let that one go. Not in my control. Disappointed? Fine. Mad at myself? No. Mad at myself does nothing except cause me to want inappropriate means of self-soothing. Like food or sleeping under my blanket instead of cooking a healthy dinner for myself. <laughs> you know, like not cleaning my dishes. That's not good. That's not soothing. Critical stuff doesn't help. At least not critical in the real way. In a real way, critique is to give feedback. And that's not really judgmental. It's like factual. This is the way that it is. And then you can take that feedback and do something about it. You know where your faults lie or where your good points lie or whatever it is. And you can adjust and move closer to what you're trying to do. But critical, like name-calling, finger-pointing, angry critical, like what's wrong with you that we get either from other people or ourselves does not make us want to pull up our bootstraps and do better for the most part. Now Mark tells me sometimes men in sports teams, this is the way the coaches talk to them is that they yell at them and that's supposed to be motivating and I guess for some men it is motivating. For me, not so much. So Another good example, and we're going to hear this later on in the show, is in my voice acting work. Sometimes I get really positive feedback, and of course, that feels fantastic. And sometimes, because I'm not a skilled voice actor as yet, or as skilled as I would like to be, I get some not-so-pleasant feedback to hear. And when I'm hearing the pleasant feedback, it feels like I could be in there for hours hearing all this wonderful feedback. And when I'm getting the not-so-pleasant feedback, even though it might only be 10 seconds worth of not-so-pleasant feedback, it feels like I'm there under the glare of harsh criticism for hours and hours. And this is not logically true. So more about that later. But what's my response? I might get a little bit angry, like, oh, look what they're saying about me, but mostly I get angry at me. Oh, Lori, how could you screw that up? How could you forget this? Don't you know the teacher told you to do this? The director said to do this last time. How come you screwed it up? Well, there's a lot of reasons why I might be screwing that up, you know? And to yell at myself doesn't help me get over whatever that reason is. Maybe my nerves are getting the best of me. Maybe I forgot to mark my script. Maybe I have over-rehearsed a certain way, so it is very difficult for me to undo that automatic muscle memory that happens when you rehearse a phrase a certain way over and over again. Now, in real life voice acting, I have to get better at that, okay? So the point is, when I hear the negative from myself or anyone else, I tend to go in overdrive and beat myself up and be mad at myself. And what I'm really saying is, Lori, you fool, why did you do this non-perfect thing to put us in this situation where we're feeling this pain? I don't want to feel pain. So I'm thinking wrongly, if I yell at myself enough, if I get mad at myself enough, I'm going to learn my lesson and I'm not gonna do this again. And the opposite is true. I don't learn anything then. I tend to repeat my mistakes because I don't learn when I'm mad at myself. When I take a deep breath and allow the lesson in, that's when I can change. 
So brave companions, what I'm letting go of today is getting mad at myself. Okay, brave companions, the only announcement I have today is where I'll be. As I said in the opening segment, I'm dealing with a bout of depression, and since I am, I need to guard my energy and fill my days with the most joy. Social media is a time suck I can't afford right now. I wrote about this in my recent blog entry about depression, and until recently, I used to post my daily mini status and my personal body balance numbers on the show's page on Facebook. I also used to see who posted on Instagram, check out and reply to my adventure lorry Twitter feed, and post my daily bravery thought on my Twitter account dedicated for just that purpose. Of these, the one that was the most fun was the bravery coach, my Twitter account for bravery. And since it is fun, I will keep doing it. The Bravery Coach has very few followers, and I used to retweet via my main Twitter account, Adventure Lori, but no more. Those who want to follow these may by following the Bravery Coach, or by searching hashtag Bravery, or going to my profile at the Bravery Coach, and you can see all of the tweets there. For example, today's Bravery tweet was, Bravery is reaching inside to comfort yourself when the world seems harsh. It's easy to buy into negative. Be brave. Be kind. All of my other social media will be once in a while. <laughs> I'll still post photos of walks or cool things I see, but I won't be checking Instagram daily. I won't be scanning Twitter, and I won't be on Facebook daily. In fact, I'll be on Facebook very little. I will concentrate on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com, replying to comments here. And if you need to contact me in private, the contact form there is the best way as it goes directly to my email. And again, CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com is where I'll be. So if you want to reach me online, that is the very best place, CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. And if you want to see my, my daily updates, just come to the website because you'll probably see it on the homepage every day. My updates aren't something that I'm going to have show for you if you've subscribed to the episodes and blog posts because I didn't want to fill up your mailbox with that stuff. So instead, the statuses will just be there. You can come see it. You can also see the episodes and blog posts by clicking on episodes and blog posts at the site and then you'll see only one thing or the other. I hope this is clear, but basically I'm just letting you know why I'm not hanging around the social web any longer while I'm in the middle of depression. Well, one of the reasons I came for this walk and what motivated me to come for this walk is I really wanted to welcome these new brave companions. And we'll start off with a somewhat delayed welcome to new BC Lisa who encouraged me with a comment on day 96. I felt badly when I realized I had somehow missed recording this welcome on day 97 as I had intended. And my first thought was I should run down to the park and record it and cut it in. And then I realized this was just my compulsive perfectionistic brain at work. So I emailed Lisa to let her know what happened and let my mistake ride. Alan, my podcaster friend and fake little brother, would be proud of my progress, not perfection. Even so, I wish I had gotten this in the show as I intended. So Lisa, a big smooch for me. And BCs, please stop by day 96 if you haven't already to welcome Lisa too. Here's what she wrote to us. Hi, Lori. I am new to your podcast. I was in bed, sick with the flu yesterday. I went through the first 12 episodes, so I haven't heard the one everyone is talking about here. I don't know if you still wonder if you should continue, as that is a theme from your first ones. I want to say, keep going. Others will find you and be encouraged. It was like being with a good friend, keeping me company and sharing her heart. I didn't want to stop listening, and I am so relieved that you have kept going through the year. I am a compulsive overeater too. I use Spark People and my fitness pal to track food and exercise and to find a community. I maintained a 60 pound loss for two years and then this year began to eat along with my husband who can stop eating when he feels like it. I am back up 20 pounds and have decided to get back to the life of health and fitness that I enjoyed those two years. I just want to again say that your story and journey are so special, don't stop. Well, thanks Lisa, here's my reply. Hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for taking the time to stop in to encourage me. Welcome, and we are glad to meet you. 
I know what it's like to have the weight come back on and to take it off and on again, etc. It can be exasperating. I'm glad the show is company for you while you are recovering, and I hope you feel better soon. We used to have a Spark People team for the show, but not enough brave companions. That is what we came to call ourselves, those that listen and participate. Anyway, not enough brave companions use it to keep it going. Over the course of my show, and it's over 47 weeks since I began, I changed my focus from weight loss to rebuilding a healthy relationship with food, so I am no longer actively trying to lose weight. But several BCs are on various diet and or exercise plans that suit their needs and journeys, and all are welcome here. I look forward to getting to know you more, and you might skip ahead to day 97 when it comes out, because I will say hello to you there. Hugs, Lori. See, I almost never directly state a show episode number in case I don't get around to it. And here I did that, and then I did it. That drove me nearly mad. No, I'm not a compulsive brain person. No, not me. Oh, <laughs> this also reminds me that I wanted to mention that when you do leave a comment on the show notes, be sure to check the box located right under where you enter your comment that says notify me of follow-up comments by email. That way, if me, if <laughs> that way, if I or another brave companion answers you, you'll be notified by email. But besides my reply, both Cheryl and Stephanie from Quebec greeted Lisa. Cheryl says, Lisa, hello. Hope you're feeling better by now. What a horrid way to jump into the new year. Welcome to the community. We'll look forward to getting to know you. And Stephanie says, hi, Lisa. Welcome to our community. Feel free to add me on MyFitnessPal. And then Stephanie leaves her MyFitnessPal then Stephanie leaves her MyFitnessPal handle in her comment. So if you want to follow Stephanie, go look at the link to this comment and you will find out who she is on MyFitnessPal. Our next brave companion I met on Instagram and has a very unique account. I love it. This person goes by the pseudonym Happy With My Body and is working on moderation and overcoming obsession with food and weight. Sound familiar? Anyway, what makes happy, that's what I'll call her, and I'm assuming it's a her, by the way. What makes happy unique is that she has a series of cute stuffed sock or round felt face dolls with emotional expressions on their faces. They're really cute. And rather than posting actual selfies on Instagram, happy posts the doll photo that corresponds to her mood. So if you're on Instagram and want to support happy, check out her account page there. It's happy underscore with underscore my underscore body. Now, Happy is also listening to the show and said she'd like to participate, but like many brave companions, felt uncomfortable revealing her identity. So I told her, and I want to remind you all, that it is perfectly fine to create an email address with a pseudonym purely to participate in the show and write comments and so forth. Many have. And a few, like Helen, reveal themselves later on when they are comfortable, but many participate under the name they've chosen just for the show. So on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com, like on Instagram, you will find Happy participating as Happy With My Body, even though I call her Happy for short. Here, here's actually an example of an anonymous story where the person came forward later. On day 17, I read an anonymous story about a brave companion who had a binge trouble with the Girl Scout cookies. Later on, the wonderful Crystal, that's right, the very same Crystal who gave me great birthday advice that started me on the road to intuitive eating, revealed herself on the Who Are the Brave Companions page as the person in the cookie story. And on day 17, Happy, who's going through the episodes now, wrote, So that was Crystal with the cookies? Her story touched me deeply as well. I have listened to your podcast this far now, episode 17, and I must tell you, Lori, I don't know where to begin thanking you for putting yourself out there and sharing your innermost thoughts and feelings with us. It means a lot to me and my journey, as I am sure it does to a lot of other people as well. I will continue to listen all the way through your podcast, and hopefully I too can become one in your group of companions. Hugs to you. And my answer. Hi, Happy. Yep, that was Crystal who gave me great birthday advice who had the cookie issue. She stops by now and again and is one of my few followers on Instagram. You caught me up early getting ready to prep day 98 before I head up the mountain to record. I'll say hello to you and read part of your comment today because, my dear, the minute you decided to listen and consider your own reactions and behaviors around food, you became one of the brave companions. To be a BC is just having the courage to pay attention to yourself. 
you are even a participating BC since you comment, and a BC who is already on the bravery report for how you handled your phone session that day that you talked about on Instagram. So Miss Happy, you are a BC in every single way. Welcome to our community. Someday, if you're up to it, call the bravery hotline or send some audio so we can hear your voice. You can just say, hi, this is Happy. You could tell a joke that you found on the internet for foolish fun. That's a segment we do around here just for fun. Or tell a little about your story. Nobody would know who you really are, and it might help you feel more connected. But no worries. Some BCs lend their voices. Some write public comments like you did. Some only contact me privately. Some only listen. But you are all BCs. Hugs. XOXOXO. So BCs, it's good to remember that you became a BC the minute you listened or read the blog and thought about your own issues, because that takes bravery. Good for you. It's also good to remember that you enhance your own sense of companionship and community and ours when you participate in some way. So why not participate by saying hello to Happy on day 17? I'll leave the link on today's show notes. Another new BC who is working her way through the episodes is Natalie, now from Australia, who posted on day 20. She writes, Hi, Lori. I stumbled across your podcast a couple of weeks ago when I finally decided to admit to myself that I was a compulsive and binge eater. I am 30 years old and struggled with my weight all through my teens and now. I started binging when I was about 13 years old and steadily gained 44 pounds through frequent dieting and then binging. I feel so many parallels with your listeners and your stories as I, too, then lost a lot of weight. I got down to 127 pounds, but found myself binging worse than ever due to deprivation. I also didn't feel skinny. I still thought I could do more. That old chestnut. I could have days where I would guzzle down 5,000 calories and not be satisfied, then cry myself to sleep. I would then hate myself for doing it and have 500 calorie days for one week to drop the weight quickly. I would avoid seeing people after a binge in case they noticed the three pounds I put on and would not see anyone until it was all lost again. People on the outside would describe me as completely carefree, someone who never takes things seriously and happy all the time. Therein lies the problem, the hiding of the feelings, the need to binge. I recently moved back to Australia after living in the UK for some time. And coming home and seeing my family made me remember a lot of the patterns that started this. I had to face my demons. I finally took the time to think back about when all this started and recalled standing at the toaster at 1 in the morning with the peanut butter ready at 13 after I went and visited my mom in hospital when she had cancer. To be fair, I didn't need to be a rocket scientist to join the dots on that one. But it took every ounce of myself to recall that memory and just let myself cry. The 13-year-old me at the time wasn't brave enough, but thanks to your podcast, I now am. After putting on some weight since being back in Australia, binging to deal with the adjustment, binging to deal with the adjustment was the major cause of a 10-pound weight gain in just seven weeks. I felt so terrible. I looked for a podcast to help me and stumbled across yours. Normally, post putting on 10 pounds, I would quickly complete an egg and grapefruit diet, feel good for two days, when I'd lost 10 pounds, then feel terrible that I blew it two days later. I have a long way to go. But since listening to your podcast, I've already seen big changes. When I feel like binging, I think about why. And I listen to one of your podcasts. I stick to a food plan, but use your mindful eating techniques. Surprisingly, there are a lot of foods I don't actually enjoy that I used to devour, like many milk chocolate brands, crisps, and some biscuits. But most of all, I've learned to be kind to myself. I am my own worst critic. And as soon as I stopped putting so much pressure on myself to be perfect for everyone, I instantly felt that hunger leave me. I have now lost six pounds slowly and aimed to be back at my ideal weight of 132 pounds in six weeks by being kind to myself. I really can't thank you enough. Looking forward to catching up on plenty more of your podcasts. Thank you. My reply. Welcome, Natalie, and thank you so much for being brave enough to stop by to share your thoughts and story. It is still amazing to me that there are so many people all over the world who can relate in some way to what I go through, and I know that I'm absolutely not unique, and many of these thoughts and triggers span countries, cultures, and circumstances. I am so pleased to hear that you are able to get more in touch with your body's needs through kind attention. That is a blessing and a gift. I too was surprised at how many binge foods or foods I thought I longed for really didn't taste good to me when I take time and pay attention. 
For me, this is a very long process, and I'm learning to be like you and just be kinder to myself. I'm very happy to have met you and hope you'll stop by again to share your thoughts with us. XOXOXO. P.S. I'm proud of you for dealing with this stressful move in a positive way for yourself. That is one of the biggest challenges we can face, changing our routine and surroundings and leaving behind our old support system. Well done. So BCs, how about stopping by day 20 to say good day to Natalie and let her know we support her here, wherever we might reside, that she has a new friendly neighborhood as long as she is with us. In the middle of depression, it is hard to find occasion of delight, but Suze delights me by recording an audio commentary of her thoughts as she listens to episode 97, the one about learning to trust on the mountains and in the valleys. Here is a four-minute snippet of a longer, heartfelt commentary where Suzanne ponders the origins of her distrust and how people-pleasing became part of her DNA. Hi, Lori. I'm trying a new voice recording app. I was just uh, starting to listen to your latest podcast, and you're starting off right up while you're talking about um, being helpful at work and n not being a pest and not having needs and having people ignore your needs. And I'm just relating to it so much, I thought I'd stop and try and talk about it. That I did, had the same thing happen at school where I was just a handy kid to have around because I, could, I was asked to administer spelling tests and read to the class and, you know, help out with stuff. And I'm like, well, okay, I, I guess I liked that, but it didn't help me on the playground any, you know, I was, and my parents too, or my mom's always told me, well, don't, don't make a pest to yourself, don't make a pest to yourself, or, you know, get out of here and go play. And I was always just told pretty much to be quiet and be invisible, just go away. So... I mostly just learned to kind of avoid her and, you know, I wasn't, there wasn't really an atmosphere of being able to talk about my feelings. It's certainly no one ever asked me about my feelings. Um, I just learned to avoid and stay out of the way. And I think I, I wasn't very good at making friends at school and it was like, I would, I just learned how to, I'm like, well, maybe if I'm, you stayed by myself or, you know, and I think I was just depressed all the time. I was just kind of sad and kind of lost. And like you, I'm like, I don't speak kid. I don't get it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And some of the kids could be just as unpredictable as my mom. I mean, like you never knew when they were just going to turn around and be mean. And I just didn't get how to cope with that. I didn't, didn't understand it. I felt like I didn't have any protection at home or at school. Then I, I spent a lot of time by myself, and people thought, well, you're just sulking, and nobody wants to be around you. But I thought maybe if people, if I was quiet enough or if I was alone enough, someone would notice and come and ask me if I was okay. You know, like, that didn't happen. <laughs> Not, no, it doesn't really happen. They just, you know, if you're quiet, they just either pick on you or they just ignore you. It was hard um, to, like, how do I not be a pest? And when is, when is, when is it being a pest? And... You know, I I didn't, I know I wasn't supposed to be one, but I didn't know, <laughs> you know, what she considered to be pesky was maybe not what some other people would consider to be pesky. So, I don't know, I just learned how to just avoid, and I still have a big problem with avoidance, because I'm, um, you know, if something goes wrong and socially, and I don't, I just, it just, it's so stressful and so anxiety-provoking that I that I still don't get it. I still don't speak. It's not that I don't speak human kid. I just like I don't speak human being. <laughs> um, and I'm just I've always been kind of an introvert and just felt like I do not belong anywhere. And I learned how to how to mistrust um, too because you know there were times I remember you know in elementary school this one gal suddenly wanted to be my friend and then the next test we took she was trying to get me to help her cheat and I'm like and then I, I told her I wouldn't and she was like I thought you were my friend and, and other times too where you know people were talk would talk nice to me and then they would say oh by the way we need you to play the piano for this or we you know we'd like you to do some artwork for for this and and I was like oh so you don't actually care about me you're just buttering me up. I'm very dubious about the sincerity of most people because most people just they're you're only as good as you know your what the last thing you did for them 
and you're only there as, as, a, as a tool or a convenience for someone else to use when it becomes necessary. But nobody asks you how you are or how you feel or what, you know. And, and maybe that's not as realistic as it once was, but it sure felt like that, and I still have that feeling in me that it's just, I don't know, it's not okay and I'm not okay, and I'm only as good as how much I can please people and do for them and not ask for anything back. I was so touched that Suze took the time to record this, and it was very interesting and amazing to hear how the show impacted her thoughts in real time. Thanks so much, Suze, for sharing, and be sure to put yourself on the Bravery Report for giving permission to use your voice and thoughts on the show. And you know, BCs, if you have a voice recording app on your phone or some way to record when you are listening to the show, I got such a kick out of Sue's commentary that you might like to try it too. Basically, as she was listening to the episode and heard something she wanted to respond to, she paused the show and then recorded that thought and so on. Then she sent me the whole big file via file share on Google. Don't worry if you don't know what that is, but if you do, this is another way you might connect and have fun with the show. Smoocheroo, Sue's. For this great idea. Also, as I told you last show, Suze is re-listening to all of the episodes, and when she got to day 48 again, she posted this. Is Brandy still around? I just re-listened to this episode, and she was so endearing and so funny in her call to the Bravery Hotline. I really appreciated that and could relate to how she was feeling. Now, Brandy really did have a great way with words on that call on day 48, so I'm recording Suze's comment just in case she is still listening. And if you are, smooch to you, Brandy, for being so brave. And I hope that things are going well with you, and we'd love to hear from you again. I'm going to share with you a little of the good and the bad of my voice acting career, <laughs> okay? So I'm going to share first some takes with David Babbage, my private voice acting coach. And like all teaching situations, it is much easier to teach and adjust with just one student, and it is way easier for me to respond to feedback in a one-on-one -on -one situation. So I'm just going to play you a couple so you can get a feeling for it. Now, note I am not in a sound booth at David's, so the recording won't be as clean as some of the ones that I've gotten from Mark, okay? But it also made it more comfortable for me to do these takes not being in the sound booth, and I didn't get so nervous. At KM Franks, we think everyone should take a nice big step back and celebrate the things that might otherwise pass you by, like taking in an afternoon game, making the most of the heat, or just stretching out the evening a little longer. KM, all natural Casey Franks, celebrate something. I don't like that one. No problem. Um, now what's interesting, there's this thing that you were on life, like taking an afternoon game. I think you had something going on, but I didn't hear it. Hmm. You have to do more with your voice or even your facial expression so that I okay. hear it. Um, let me just give you an example. Because I, I could say, like taking an afternoon game but I didn't quite put it in my face, so yeah. I'm just watch this, like taking in an afternoon game. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Got more specific just on my facial. Um, and then, um, Cam Prince, we think, I think you could give, give a wee. We think, you know, that's, that's you know, I'm curious what, what Mark says about that too, but you're not stressing we at all. Huh? We think, at Cam Prince, we think everything, I think you could give a wee. At Cam Prince, we think we're, you know, because we're, we're proud of who we are. Okay. Whole thing one more time. At KM Franks, we think every, okay, okay. At KM Franks, we think everyone should take a nice big step back and celebrate the things that might otherwise pass you by. Like taking in an afternoon game, making the most of the heat, or just stretching out the evening a little longer. KM, all natural casing franks, celebrate something. That to me, I believe it too. Like, we're, right. we're doing this stuff. I don't know. Okay. Right now. At KM Franks, we think that everyone should take a nice big step back and celebrate the things that might otherwise pass you by. Like taking in an afternoon game, making the most of the heat or just stretching out the evening a little longer. K. 
KM, All Natural Casing Franks, celebrate something. Cool. Then I'm going to play for you some of the same spot from my regular class at Mark Cashman's. And this time I am, as usual, in the sound booth with all my fellow students watching and listening. By now my nerves are really getting to me and right away I make a mistake that I know better. And I say A instead of A uh, in the sentence. And I had written already on my script to make sure that I would say A. Uh. So not even a whole sentence in, I had this mistake and I had this messing with my timing. We're rolling on KM Franks and this is take one. At KM Franks, we think everyone should take a nice big step back and celebrate that pickup. Let's take it from the top and let's make it a nice. It's not a nice. Yeah, a nice. I got it. There's no such word as a. There's a letter A, that's the first letter of the alphabet, but the word A isn't there, it's really not a word. The word is a. Uh. Okay, this freaked me out so much that my happy place went right away to my nervous place, and so my happy celebration spot didn't celebrate very much or even close to what I'd like. At KM Franks, we think that everyone should take a nice step back and celebrate the things that might otherwise pass you by like taking in an afternoon game, making the most of the heat, or just stretching out the evening a little longer. KM All Natural Casing Franks, celebrate something. Before right. you fall asleep. Okay, all right, so, so, so time-wise, we don't have to worry about time. That's the beauty of something like this. It's copyright. We came out to around 22. That's what I thought we'd come out at. And overall, I thought that in terms of your volume, you were very, very consistent with your volume. A little bit too much, I want you to pull okay. back on take two. It's just a little bit too pushed, a little bit too forced, a little bit too much projection and volume. So in this particular case, again, light, enjoyable music here. What is everybody doing? They're relaxing. Okay, they're having fun and relaxing, and that's basically what I need you to do: is have fun and relax a little bit more. Well, it's just except just, on the last line. Yes, uh, practically dozed off during the two words. Well, uh, uh, yes, yeah, cel celebrate cel something. Right, right, celebrate something. Again, we just lost your smile on the last two lines on that one. But what happened was on the very, very the second to last line, uh, uh, Lori. Up until then, you, I thought you had good smile, good energy, uh, 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 and um, and you were right there. Now, voice acting class is great because you get real feedback, but it is whopping tough for a sensitive person in the midst of depression. So I'm putting myself on the bravery report for standing tall and doing my best even when it was hard. Okay, I'm gonna end the show today doing something I don't normally do. I'm going to read you almost in its entirety a blog post I wrote. I've been writing more lately as time and mood has not made it easy for me to get out to record as much as I'd like. I don't normally read you my blog posts. You can come onto the website for that. But the feelings I express in this one are so important to me that I'm going to read it and I'm also going to read a couple of comments that it received. Now, if you are uncomfortable with strong language and or strong emotions, then you might want to stop the episode right now and wait for the next one where I'll be in a happier mood. I didn't filter myself one bit when I wrote this blog post. It's called, Morning, catharsis ahead, not for the faint-hearted, strong language, and by the way, I don't have a blast of weight problem. And after some selfies where I compare the size of my face since the start of the show and then recently, I give this title in all caps. Please read this hedge, then proceed or not as you choose. The following rant is about me, Lori Weaver, and only about Lori Weaver. Lori Weaver, the Lori Weaver who writes this blog in particular and not any of the other Lori Weavers around the world. This Lori Weaver is writing about her own shit and her own perceptions and her own stuff. Please do not take this about you. It's me, 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 me. It's an internal selfie, a look at the state of my emotional affairs, and this in no way the responsibility of any BC lurker, internet troll, the weather or the price of eggs in China, what I feel or say or do. Well, that felt better. Now back to our polite version. Dearest BCs and others who listen to the podcast and or read this blog, the following is tended for me to work out my feelings of late and to communicate my point of view with you. 
I do not expect you to buy into what I do, think, or say. I do ask you to believe what I do, think, or say is true for me. So I guess you can see where this was heading as a chip-free way to blow off steam. Then comes this subtitle, why I'm writing this, and I'll probably talk about it too, which is actually what I'm doing right at the moment. Anyway, back to the post. Some of you may well ask, oh my goodness, Lori, why are you showing us your face and talking about comparative thinness, weight, numbers, and other crap like that? Aren't you a dyed-in-the-wool intuitive eater? Isn't this directly against what you are incorporating into your life of late? Ding, 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 ding. Yes, this is exactly against what I'm trying to do and be and work on for myself. But lately, I've been feeling judged, alienated, and crappy about myself when, quote, success, unquote, is judged by weight loss standards. But even that is a load of crap, too. When I think rationally about it, by any weight loss standard, I am holding my own just fine. I am a statistical success. I don't usually parade my before photo around, but it makes a point for me to remember. Then I treat you to a photo of me at over 300 pounds, one I don't pull out much, and a photo from the holidays before I continue my rant of frustration that some people judge me as a, quote, weight loss failure, unquote. I weighed over 300 pounds right before I went to Weight Watchers in 1999. Then I hit my goal weight of 153 in 2001. I went up to 159 with my doctor's permission and stayed there for two frickin' years. During which time, I also became part of the National Weight Control Registry, the study that tracks successful weight loss maintainers and participated in various studies there for more than a decade. By the way, I'm still counted there as successful as I've maintained more than 30 pounds off for all of these years. Two years after I maintained my goal weight, with extreme effort, I might add, I had a surgery not related in any way to weight, but I put on 20 pounds. As you can imagine, this screwed with my confidence and my compulsive behaviors went into overdrive. But despite all of my angst, up and down the scale, up and down the scale, the most I've weighed ever since 2000 is 225 pounds. That's the weight that scared me into starting this show and blog. That means that I have maintained, at worst, a 75-pound weight loss for almost 15 friggin' years. And that is amazing. I know how to lose weight. I know how to focus. I know how to white knuckle. I know how to overexercise like I'm the biggest loser. I know how to cut out entire food groups. I know how to detox from sugar and refined foods. I have been on almost every weight loss and or healthy eating plan imaginable. But Lori, you just don't know about diet XYZ. That will solve your weight problem. Oh, I wish that were true for me. But it friggin' isn't. Because wait, wait for it, wait for it. Wait for it. Then we get to another all caps subtitle. I don't have a weight problem. I have a weight symptom. Ah, grasshoppers, now we get the heart of my feelings of alienation. Most of us, myself included, believed or believe that weight is the problem we are trying to solve. For some of you, it is the problem that needs solving, but not for me. For some of you, food type makes a huge difference in your blood sugar, your appetite, your energy. For some of you, sugar is like a drug and triggers uncontrollable urges to eat. It is chemical as well as emotional that needs addressing. But not for me. For some of you, it's a medical necessity to get that weight off right now. But not for me. I'm not sharing my private information that makes me state this, but I consult my doctor regularly and she is my health partner, not the internet. And the fact that weight is not my primary problem does not mean I think I am better or lesser than people who feel differently about their priorities and their problems. Next subtitle. So what is my friggin' problem? Dear BCs, lurkers, and curious well-wishers, my problem is that at a very young age, I had a lot of pain in my life and it continued. My problem is that I learned to cope with that pain by developing an eating disorder. My eating disorder presents with compulsive obsessive eating and body overfocus, coupled with severe binge eating disorder. I use everything about weight and fear of weight to hide from the pain that I wrongly assume is in my entire world at all times. I use the weight itself to be separate. I use the worry about my weight to be safe. It is easier to displace my pain into feeling fat or being scared of fat rather than feeling the actual pain under the surface. I layer myself in compulsions around my body and my eating behavior. 
I obsess over and over on the way up and down the scale. In short, dieting and everything around it is as tempting to me as a sugar cookie might be to some. Intuitive eating is not a diet plan for me. It is not a weight loss plan for me. Its principles are just tools for me not to diet and not to binge. I want to cease dieting and binging, not primarily so my body will change. I want to cease dieting and cease binging so I can finally feel the pain and deal with the pain in a healthy manner. I start therapy because I was successful in this. Following the principles of intuitive eating, I was able to turn my attention from weight. And what I felt and saw then was scary and hard. And I want to dive right back into my well-worn food slash fat path rather than deal. It wasn't any one event or series of events. It was the pattern of interactions and the way things were for me for many, many years. The rage and anger I feel is scary. The tears I shed could wipe me out until I feel there isn't a drop of moisture left in my body. I shake with rage. I cry aloud many nights. I write in my personal journal. I talk through the feelings as much as I can while respecting privacy on this very show. If you listen from day one, you can hear as the episodes progress the slow realization of my problem as it becomes more clear to me. You can see me switch from a weight loss focused show to a more what about life focused show. The show changed as I changed. I don't blame those who may have felt a bait and switch. There I was, feeling my frustration about being fat and trying to change being fat to being thinner. That is very relatable. There are tips and tricks and recipes and jokes. We're all mostly in the same boat there. Either we are fat, feel fat, or scared of being fat. Many of my discoveries about my eating behaviors resonated, but overall, I was still trying to be thinner until I wasn't. Next subtitle. What's this got to do with you? And for some of you, this change was a godsend. You were either happy I stopped with the diet mentality, or at least you felt my rambling and newfound bravery gave you interesting food for thought. Some of you didn't care what I did or didn't do. You were just plain there supporting me through my realizations and struggles and supporting each other as human beings might. For those of you in this camp, a huge heartfelt thank you and smooched. You have helped me so much in this way. You have demonstrated empathy. On the other hand, some of you felt I needed fixing and that you knew just how. While I believe all of this was well meant, it did the opposite. This unasked for advice caused me pain, anxiety, and struggle. Even my best, closest friends don't know all that I'm going through or what I'm working through with my therapist and doctor, nor should they. You BCs don't know either. I share what I can in the way that I can, and all I ever want to do with my show is to share what I'm actually going through to help myself and maybe show others who isolate like me that they are not the only ones who have these feelings. That's why I shared the binges, the whininess, the lack of confidence, the tears when body image issues bit me in the butt again. Not to demonstrate that I'm a failure or a jerk who is self-delusional and has given up on herself and wants excuses to binge. I don't need excuses to binge. I have binged through every diet, exercise plan, fat camp stay, food modification, hypnosis, therapy, you name it, I binge through it. No matter if the binge came from deprivation, hunger, unaddressed emotion, who cares? I binge my life away. I partially hoped you would support me and the positive attention you generously gave when you did help my growth immensely. But believe me, the primary victory of me sharing the negative parts of my journey is that I did share the negative. I am a perfectionist mask wearer. I naturally want you to believe I am happy, skilled, funny, positive, sugar and spice and everything nice. I either show A plus or hide in my cave. The fact that I continue to show you all sides of me may have been interesting for you, but it was groundbreakingly brave for me. It was a huge risk. And like most risks, it came back with both wonderful rewards for the effort and painful interactions that bit me in the butt. I won't dwell on those interactions, but they happened and it was hard. Moving on, I'd like to clarify something. I don't like to hear about scales and calories or the next great diet, but it isn't because I think you are wrong or that you should not do those things if that is right for you. It is not because I think you should all be just like me. It is because it is so easy for me to be swayed back into my obsession. It is so easy for me to go on a diet 
and a diet of any kind triggers the binge and the worry and takes me away from feeling what I need to feel so I can work that true pain out. And I have to tell you that even if I work out every last drop of pain, it doesn't mean I will get thinner. But I do believe with all my heart that if I work on my underlying emotional pain and learn how to deal with people and life in a more authentic manner, even when it's hard, even when people don't like me as much as the fake me, I will have a more meaningful life. I will make more connections with people. I will be who I actually am. And all I want for you BCs, lurkers and curious well-wishers, is that you get to be who you actually are, whatever that means. That you get to eat as you enjoy, that you experience companionship on whatever road you choose. I don't give a fig if you are different from me. I don't give a fig if you change your mind, your methods and your experience over and over, truly. I am here to support your right to be you. I don't give a fig if you call or post or talk about diets or exercise or what works for you. I only ask that you respect my right to walk my own path and respect the rights of others to walk their paths. My show and blog are called Compulsive Overeating Diary. And the diary is mine. It is my journey that I talk about. I'm still amazed and happy that so many of you have walked along with me thus far. And if you glean amusement or anything useful, that's great. I'm also sad about those who, for whatever reasons, disappeared. But I can accept that those multitude of reasons can include those that have nothing to do with me, as well as those that do. While Compulsive Overeat Diary has always been a very personal show, at this point it's not a diet show, a weight loss show, or anything like that. I think about and discuss my emotional underpinnings and how they relate to my disordered eating because that is what I need. I talk about bravery in life because that is what I need to encourage myself to bravery. I talk about creative projects because that is interesting to me and a way to express my feelings without dieting or binging. I try to be a safe place for those who would like a forum to discuss feelings or share their creativity. We don't have to all like the same things. I'd love to hear more jokes, get more music, more stories. I'd love to create new features like Stephanie's where you create a segment and we put it together. I'd love to feature more of you being who you are in ways without food. But if all you want is to listen, then I'm fine with that now too. If this was a podcast episode instead of a blog post, I guess I would say right now that what I'm letting go of today is you. I need to set you free in my heart to be whoever you are. I need to set you free in my heart to participate or not. I need to set you free in my heart to like me or leave me. I need to set you free to set myself free. And I'm going to work on that. I was just going to tell you all about this blog post today in my own words, but then I thought, what the hell? I've already put down my own words, so I decided just to read it. I'm very, very grateful for the outpouring of comments and support this post generated. So many, I'm not going to list them all here. I recommend you come read them, though, as they are all compassionate and amazing. A couple I want to feature, though. The first comment comes from BC June, and I think this was the first time June has commented on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. Lori, your post has me sitting here with tears in my eyes. You put your thoughts into words much better than I could have ever. So much of my struggle. It's not all about dieting and weight for me either. It's the triggers that cause me or you to eat with no boundaries. And then the guilt of being out of control. Triggers, underlying stuff, guilt, eat, no control, guilt because of no control, triggers eating out of control. It's a vicious catch-22 and it's a daily freaking struggle. I usually don't post about my own issues, but reading your blog and listening to your thoughts has helped me identify how to express the feelings that I feel with my own therapist in our sessions. Thank you for being my found treasure. Wish you well and thank you for being honestly raw and sharing. You are appreciated and loved. Namaste. A couple other comments were from Diane the Champion who stopped to simply send me some hearts and Cassie who said hugs. Sometimes just showing up is more than enough. My thanks to you both. I also got many eloquent and heartfelt words from the BCs, like these from Donnie, who really sums up what I was trying to say and shows me just how much she got it. I had to come back here. I haven't stopped thinking about this since I read it and replied. Something just clicked in my head. 
For the last hour, I just can't stop thinking about what you wrote. My weight is not my problem. It's a symptom of my problem. Oh my, I've heard this so many times before, but it never hit me like it has right now. My weight is not what causes me grief and anxiety. It's the actions that I take that are causing the symptoms, AKA my weight. The foraging for food, the reason for food, as others have said here in their comments, the triggers, the things that I'm doing that are being fed, not the weight, it's the outcome, the symptom, it's the actions. June said it quite well. We have a great group of us here. And that just drives the point I was making a little deeper. Each of our thoughts, feelings, and actions are our own. But other situations and journeys, no matter what they are, help us with our paths. I can mimic what was said. I've yet to feel disappointed or let down by you or any BCs, Lori. But that's surely because I go into this with the mindset, your journey is yours, my journey is mine. That's what makes the world go round. What works for you might not for me. What works for me might not for you. I want friends. I want people to understand. I like it here because we all get it. I'm with friends that don't judge me and tell me how I should do things or what I'm doing wrong. People get it. Support and encourage. Well, thanks, Donnie and BCs. Thanks for hanging in with me on this really, really long episode. And that's what I hope for us all. Support and encouragement. So until next time, brave companions, take good care because I really really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. I'm letting